0: You can be seated. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, verse 1. Acts 13, verse 1. Whether you open your Bibles in print or digitally, we'd love for you to follow along in the Scripture you have in your hand. Praise be to God we have Scripture in our hand. Amen. Uh, Before we read the text, though, I, I just want to take a brief moment... Because I recognize that many of you probably got into your motorboats or rowboats and rode your way here to church this morning. And, and the reason you had to do that, because right around 7 a.m. there was just this massive thunderstorm. Well, it was massive to me. I'm from California. So it felt big to me, uh, this torrential downpour. And I, I tell you what, I was thinking in that moment about our setup team, because it was coming down right at that moment. Yes. So for our setup team that served this morning, we're not praising you, we're praising Jesus through your your work that you did on his name in his name today. So I want to ask you to stand up. Anybody that serves on the setup team, would you please stand? We want to acknowledge God's work in you this morning. <clears throat> Thank you so, so much, and I think several of the team are actually serving in kids' ministry this morning as well, so they deserve double honor today, but uh, wow, what a, what a great task so that we can be in here worshiping Jesus together, so we, we're so grateful for that. Acts 13, chapter, one, verse, uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 12, uh, and I'll just say this, Lord, would you open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things out of your law. Amen. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 12 says this. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, "'You son of the devil!' for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord this morning, amen? We're in a series right now called Danger Ahead. Last week we saw that, that Paul and Saul and Barnabas, they got a, a front row seat as to what God would do for the apostles in Jerusalem. And I believe, we believe that that's a gracious gift that Luke is showing to us, that he gave them that, that story, that moment to see this power of Jesus on display to protect God's people for the dangers ahead because they're getting ready to be launched out, and we see that they are launched out from our text this morning. And, and one way we describe the Christian life here at Fairfax Bible Church is, is this, as a, a follower of Jesus, we live a life that is living sent, amen? If you've been here to worship with us, and you'll hear it if this is the first time, as we close our service today, our call as followers of Jesus, when we leave this gathering, is to love Christ and to live sent. The call of Jesus to his disciples during his earthly ministry is the same call for us today. It's follow me, Jesus says. Just as Jesus was sent by the Father from heaven to broken people, so are we. We're sent just like Jesus proclaiming his name to hurting and broken people in this world. Now, we all love, when we're uh, starting out to set out on a jersey journey, we love smooth sailing, right? We love that there's no road construction, no potholes, no accidents. I just want smooth sailing. I want a smooth ride to get to my destination. But smooth sailing was never promised to followers of Jesus. Instead, Jesus warned his followers that there would be danger ahead. The Christian journey is a road filled with all kinds of dangers. So I want to ask you this this morning. What gives you comfort and courage when you set out on a new journey? Take give you a few seconds to reflect on that. What gives you comfort and courage when you set out on a new journey? It could be anything. It could be a new vehicle maybe to drive or maybe you've got it all mapped out. But I, I know for me, what I love when I go out on a new journey is knowing that I'm not by myself. I've got somebody with me to help me in the journey. And, and Jesus knew exactly what would give his followers comfort after he ascended from the earth back to heaven. He said, I'm going to send another helper just like me to be with you. One who would join believers on the journey as they live sent. And that helper is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's the one Jesus has sent to give his people new life and to dwell in the hearts of of his followers if you're a follower of jesus here today we believe the bible teaches that you've got the holy spirit god the holy spirit living inside you what a gift because jesus sent the spirit followers of jesus have the presence of god with them wherever they go and at all times no matter what the road ahead looks like even if it's dangerous one way the spirit instills comfort and courage within our hearts is by how He leads us. He's not just with us, but, but He's actually there leading us and guiding us on our journey. And that brings us to our big idea this morning. The Spirit leads those who live sent. The Spirit leads those who live sent. The Holy Spirit sent from Jesus guides His followers on their journey. If you're a follower of Jesus today and you desire to live sent... Jesus has sent His spirit to lead you even through all the dangers that your journey may bring. The Spirit leads those who live sent. But before we turn, uh, jump into our text this morning, we just have to remind ourselves, who is or what is the spirit? We covered this a little bit back in Acts chapter 2 when uh, the day of Pentecost is described and Jesus sent the Holy Spirit on that very special day and it was an amazing moment. God's power was on display, but we have to ask ourselves, who or what is the Spirit? Three things that we we talked about back in Acts chapter 2 just as a reminder is this. First, the Spirit is He, not it. It's not the force of Star Wars or anything like that that can be manipulated. The Spirit is a person. When we talk about the Spirit, we wouldn't say it. We would say he or him. The Spirit is a person. Secondly, we, we know that the Spirit is God. He is God. He's equal with the Father and with the Son who is Jesus Christ. We believe that God is one and he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is he, not it. The Spirit is God and the Spirit is sent. He's sent from the Father and the Son. Even though the Spirit, He is equal with the Father and with the Son, He has willingly submitted Himself to the Father and to the Son and they have sent the Spirit to us to minister to us. And so as a reminder, always got to remind ourselves of this, because theology changes how we live, and we want to believe rightly about who God is. And so let's remind ourselves here this morning, let's say it together, the Spirit is He. The Spirit is He. The Spirit is God. And the Spirit is sent. Praise be to God. That's who our Spirit is. The Spirit of God is living in us. So that's who the Spirit is, but today we're going to see what the Spirit does what he does. The Spirit led Saul and Barnabas as they set out on their dangerous journey. And we'll see three things. First, we'll see that the Spirit calls. The Spirit calls. Secondly, the Spirit sends. And thirdly and finally, the Spirit fills. Let's take a look at the first one together. The Spirit calls. The Spirit calls. Verses one and two, it's it's describing again this, this worship meeting it says that in the church at Antioch, prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. This is the church in Antioch. And I love this scene. If we could just pause here for a moment, just kind of taking a look at who's making up this scene in Antioch Jews and Gentiles worshiping together, men from different regions, men of different languages. Men with different backgrounds and cultures worshiping together. God is gifting and leading these followers of Jesus with no partiality. He doesn't look at Saul and Barnabas and say, well, I'm going to give an extra special portion to them because they're Jews. No, he's gifting and showing and directing and leading without partiality. Friends, this is a beautiful picture of God's design for his church. People of all ethnicities people of all cultures people with all skin colors and backgrounds under one roof together worshiping the lord jesus and the christ and the spirit leads in and through diversity praise god for that friends I'm so glad as I stand here on this stage and I look out, I see people from all kinds of different backgrounds and countries and languages. That's a beautiful picture of God's design. And we believe that the Spirit leads and calls in the midst of our diversity without partiality. Praise God for that. Well, the Spirit, He calls in a a worship meeting, A worship meeting. I mean, here these guys are and they're they're worshiping the Lord as we've done this morning. Maybe they sang, Christ be magnified in me, you know, just like we've been singing this morning. But it's during a time of focus on God. Worshiping the Lord and fasting. They got close to God, and the Spirit of God granted direction. Now, would they have heard the voice of the Spirit apart from this meeting? Well, maybe, perhaps, but, but what we see here is that they do hear the voice in a worship meeting. They heard it there. Passionate worship is a means to live, Son. That's one of our pursuits here at Fairfax Bible Church. If, if you've attended our Intro to Fairfax meeting or if you come to our membership class soon, you'll hear our pursuits, passionate worship. Jesus said, the Father is calling worshipers to himself, those who worship in spirit and in truth. And it's in this passionate worship meeting that followers of Jesus are called to live sent. Jesus' followers were, were criticized while he was on the earth that, that, they, that they did not fast while, while Jesus was with them. But, but they could celebrate in that moment. But, but as we wait for Jesus to return, it's appropriate for us to have times of fasting and praying and getting desperate and getting on our knees and calling out to God, Lord, we need you. Give us guidance. Give us direction. Here we are this morning, and I hope that you came ready to worship King Jesus passionately. It's the first step to living a life sent. If you want to live a life of impact and influence, living sent for the ones in your life that we've been praying for who are far from Jesus, this is the first place to do it. You come and you draw near to God and trust that the Spirit will lead. I hope you came today ready to worship, to seek the face of the Lord. So the Spirit calls in the midst of a worship meeting, but he also calls to a missionary work. The Spirit calls to a missionary work. We see that in chapter, two, uh, 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 chapter 13, verse 2b. It says that the Holy Spirit says, Set apart for me separate Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now, all these men are called, but he says, I want these two guys to go. And we're going to see that these guys are strategic choices, not because they're better, not because they have more of the Spirit, but because these guys are going to be able to go into spaces that are both Jew and Gentile together. So he says, I want you to set these guys apart to the work to which I've called them. We'll see in the coming chapters that this was a missionary work, a missionary work, taking the message of the good news of Jesus to people who desperately needed to hear it. And then not only doing that, but authenticating that message through the powerful works and the righteous deeds that they would exhibit. You see, when believers draw close to God's heart in worship, they gain God's heart for mission. When believers draw close to God's heart in worship, They gain God's heart for mission. They understand His love, His grace, His mercy, and His sacrifice in sending His Son to be the Savior of the world. See, friends, you can't hang out with God long and not fall in love with His heart for people. I come across people and I have to fight it in my own heart, just getting fed up with people, right? Life would be so much easier if it weren't for people. Why? Because people are sinful and they're broken. And it's hard to live this life because we find ourselves with our own sinful nature and the sinful nature of others bumping into one another. But when we spend time at the throne of Jesus, He does something to us. He gives us His heart for people. Have you been finding yourself resistant to the mission of God because you just feel like people drive you nuts, spend time at the feet of Jesus, and say, Jesus, give me your heart for the mission. Give me your heart for people. You see, churches who lose their awe of God in worship become a stagnant church, and they lose their heart for God's mission. I want to ask you, Fairfax Bible Church, family, what kind of church will we be? What kind of disciple of Jesus do you want to be? If you want to have an impact, it starts right here, right now in worship. As a young preacher, I was, I was uh, sent to go teach the Bible to a group of people at, at a, a place called Bay Park Retirement Home in Pinole, California. Now, this retirement home was full of all kinds of wonderful, beautiful people, but people that were pretty old, <laughs> right, uh, hitting the, the, the final stretch of life, and so there were moments that I preached through a lot of snoring. So if you snore here while I'm preaching today, I'm just going to keep going, okay, and I'm going to trust that your neighbor's going to nudge you a little bit, but I, I'm kind of used to that because it was after breakfast, and the thermostat was set at like 88 degrees, I swear it was, it was crazy, right? We're sitting on couches there, and there were some that would just kind of doze off a little bit. But I loved there were several people, two specifically. Their names were Lois and Barbara, these two precious sisters in Jesus. They were so excited to come. They'd sing these old, old gospel hymns with all of their hearts. And even though they fought to stay awake at times, they were eager to hear the message of Jesus. And you know what happened to them? You know what happened to these ladies? These ladies. They lived for the mission of Jesus. They would come up to me and say, hey, Matthew, I I want you to pray for this neighbor of mine that lives across the hallway where I live. Pray that they would come to know Jesus. I've been inviting them to our our weekly service every week. And they would love their neighbors, the people that literally lived in the hallway with them. Why? Because they loved feeding at the feet of Jesus. They loved feasting with Him. They loved worshiping Him. They couldn't get enough of Jesus. And because of that, they felt a deep sense of calling from the Spirit to reach their neighbors with the gospel. Friends, if those who are in their 80s and 90s can be fervent in worship and in prayer and in mission for the cause of Jesus, what's holding you back today? Oh, that we would be people that show up every single um, uh, Sunday morning prepared to passionately worship Jesus and gain His heart for the mission. The Spirit calls. The Spirit calls in a worship meeting and the Spirit calls to a missionary work. But not only that... The Spirit then sent these men out. The Spirit sends. Point number two, the Spirit sends. Well, first we see that the Spirit was sending from a planted church. This wasn't, this wasn't the Jerusalem church. This was the church at Antioch. This was a brand new baby church that was learning how to follow Jesus in this multicultural, multi-ethnic environment, and the Spirit leads them to go and be sent. Verse 3, we see it there again. It says, uh, after fasting and praying, they, the leaders of the church, they laid their hands on these two men and sent them off. But then verse 4 says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. So who sent them? Did, 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 the, did the leaders of the church send them or did the Holy Spirit send them? The answer is yes, both of them did, right? The Spirit put it on the hearts of these leaders to send these, these men out. Friends, the Spirit sends through churches. And you may have come here today and you may think to yourself, but, but, but Matthew, I've been so hurt by the church. I've been so confused by the church. I've seen so much sin and hypocrisy in the church you're absolutely right you have but i want to tell you here today there's nothing nothing on the planet as precious and as strategic as the local church when we gather here today friends it's the church gathered together praising jesus that is now equipped and prepared to go live on mission and maybe you got to get real with jesus today say lord my, my heart's been hurt by the church give me a heart that's renewed to love what's going on the family that i sit next to here every single sunday that i sit in with small group and launch us out to go be the kind of church that doesn't reflect sin but reflects the heart of jesus it's strategically planted churches that's another pursuit of ours i was fascinated i was reading this passage like there's a pursuit there's a pursuit there's a pursuit Strategically planted churches are the means through which Jesus gets his gospel out throughout the world. And that's why we want to be about strategic church planting. The mission of Jesus is perpetuated as healthy churches multiply followers of Jesus and send them out on mission. But where did they go? Where did they go? They, they, they just weren't sent from a planted church. They were sent to a people in need. Verses 4 and 5. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to uh, Seleucia and then they sailed to Cyprus and the cities on Cyprus, Salamis and to Paphos. They first went to synagogues, but, but they preached to both Jews and Gentiles. Now, we know earlier in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, there were some believers from, from Cyprus. This, by the way, the capital of Cyprus, does anybody know? It's Nicosia. It's actually my last name. I, just a little tidbit there. That's for free. The rest of it I'll charge you for, right? So. <laughs> Nicosia, Cyprus. I don't think Nicosia was there yet. I've never been there. Anyway, they're on Cyprus and they're proclaiming the message of Jesus. And we know from Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 11 that, that some followers left that on that day of Pentecost from Jerusalem and they traveled back to Cyprus to proclaim the good news of Jesus. But, but there weren't any churches planted there. They still need to be organized. They still needed to be reached. This was an island that was still unreached with the good news about Jesus Christ. And that's why Saul and Barnabas went there. They went to people who are unreached. Friends, that's what strategic church plants do. They find where are the unreached peoples. And that's our desire as a church, as Fairfax Bible. We want to live sent to people who need the gospel of uh, of the message of Jesus Christ. That's why throughout the month of March, we prayed for our ones. Every single one of us who who are a follower of Jesus, we took that deep and serious and joyful responsibility of saying, for 30 days, I'm going to pray for one person in my life that the Lord has led me to who is unreached with the gospel, who needs to believe in the good news about Jesus. That's why we pray for unreached people. That person you know who needs the good news of Jesus to transform their life And not only that, that's why we partner with local and international people who have a passion from the Spirit to live sent to unreached people, people who have not heard or experienced the love and grace of God demonstrated in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Strategic. We want to be strategic because we want our efforts, our our strategies, our resources, our finance, not just to bless us here, but we want to send it out Out so that the good news of Jesus gets to the ears of those who desperately need to hear it. I'm so excited in the days to come you're going to be here. We've got a pastor that's coming in June, uh, uh, Lord willing, from ac- across the river in, in Washington, D.C., a pastor that we've linked arms with a little bit to say we can't wait to support this brother and the work that he's doing in a neighborhood of Southeast D.C. that desperately needs the love of Jesus Christ represented here, a beacon on a hill. We're, we're excited to announce with, with you very soon about ministry partners that we've got, not just here in the United States, but all over the globe that are going to un- reached peoples to live on mission. Now, I, I don't know the history of our church all that well. I'm still fairly new. If I haven't met you yet, come up and say hi to me. I'd love to meet you. But I'm learning that there's people here that, that have been here since I've been here. We've got such a transient culture, don't we? But since Pastor Jeff Hohenshell was here, and I, I love this brother so much, I've had a few opportunities connected with him, we've embraced as a church the motto of living sent living sent why well first of all it's inevitable it's inevitable people are going to come and they're going to go right instead of resisting that it's probably a good idea that we embrace it a little bit right but not only that not only is it inevitable it's healthy it's healthy to be a sending church now how many of you are, are, are parents in here let's get a poll in the, in the room here parents all right right the goal of parents the goal of parents parenting their children isn't to keep their children at home forever right Right? And I, I'm kind of on the, the tail end of having my children at home. And they could be there as long as they want, as long as they're living sent. But, but we want to launch them out. We don't want them to have to be relying upon us primarily for all of their lives. We want them to be self-sustaining, trusting in Jesus, working hard and living sent where they, where they are called to be. Psalm 127 verse 4 talks about children like arrows that are being shot out strategically in this world to make an impact for the Lord. So our church loves to send our spiritual family out for the mission. Friends, since my time has been here, only 11 months, we've, we've already sent out a handful of families, if you could believe it. Families who have who've felt that call from Jesus. I, I believe Jesus is directing us to go out, and it's hard, isn't it? You know this more keenly than I do. We've got some families that have left this church that are just so precious and dear to us, and that's Hard, But we embrace that because it's healthy. We want to be a sending church led by the Spirit because we want to be a healthy church. We believe that passionate worship leads to, to strategic church planting and to living sent. Living sent to unreached people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I praise God that we could be a part of this sending network of churches. Where is God sending you? I want to ask if there are any graduates in the room, you're getting ready to take that significant walk with that tassel, right, and receiving that document that says, I've completed a major step in my journey. We want to pray for you. I want you to think about this as you think about the next steps for your life. Not just where am I going to go to school, what job am I going to have, but take seriously that Jesus wants to send you out on mission. There's some of you that are, I think are getting ready to take summer missions trips. That is so thrilling to know that from this church, we've got brothers and sisters and family that are going to places where the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be heard and will be heard through you. What a thrill that is, because the Spirit is leading us. The Spirit calls, and the Spirit sends, but not only that, the Spirit fills. The Spirit fills. That's our third point this morning, and we see that in verses 6 through 12 of Acts chapter 13. Now, this is an interesting story here. We've seen this before where there have been people that have been standing in the way of the advancement of the gospel of Jesus. And I believe, if you want to fully understand what's going on here, I believe the key is in verse 9. Take a look at verse 9 again with me but Saul, who is called Paul. By the way, this is the first time that Saul is now transitioning from being called Saul to being called Paul. Now, it doesn't mean that something has happened to his identity, but it means that he's gone from being someone who's known primarily by his Jewish name, and now he's going out to a Gentile world, and that Gentile world, the the name is Paul. So we see that he's making that transition. I'm going out to be sent to lost people who are primarily Gentiles. But that verse says, Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the holy spirit filled with the holy spirit you may think to yourself well what's going on here pastor matthew i mean we just heard before that the holy spirit indwells every single believer why why all of a sudden is, is paul filled with the holy spirit we want you to know that we we believe the bible teaches that the holy spirit indwells and remains and abides in every follower of jesus at the moment they put their faith in jesus But there's this ongoing filling work that the Spirit does in our hearts to prepare us for Christian mission, to help us display the fruit of the Spirit like love, joy, and peace to one another and unites our hearts together. And so in this moment, there's a special ministry of the Spirit to Paul. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit was guiding Paul to go after his one. You see, Paul had a one too. He had one that he was reached, trying to reach. That was Sergius Paulus, the proconsul of Cyprus. But what happens is he's trying to reach his one, filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, this other guy, Bar-Jesus, meaning son of Jesus in his Greek name, we see it there in the text. His name is Elemas. He was a magician. He was a Jewish false prophet. He claimed to speak for the God of Israel, but he was fake. He was a charlatan. He was a deceiver. Paul describes him as a villain who would take advantage of people who were ignorant and unskilled in the truth. He was poisoning the mind of Paul's one against the message of Paul. And what does Paul do as he's filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, he confronts the enemy of Paul's one who the spirit was leading him to reach. Elemus was no son of God, nor was he a son of Jesus. He was a son of the devil, as Paul says. He was an enemy. He was seeking to corrupt and to make crooked the straight paths of the Lord revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, when the Spirit fills a follower of Jesus, they move away from falsehood, they confront falsehood, and they confront it with the truth. This is a vital part of the missionary tasks As we're called, as we're sent, we're also encouraged to know that the Spirit will fill us on our mission to confront falsehood. And this may be the most difficult task of all as we live sent to our ones and to those who are unreached. To confront the lies and the opposition of the enemy who is Satan. Friends, I want you to know that our ones that we're praying for has someone who's working behind the scenes also on their behalf to deceive them. And that's Satan who is the follower of the father of lies. He wants to deceive and take advantage of the ones for whom we're praying, the ones whom God has put into our lives. And that sounds daunting, right? Who am I to stand up to? Satan, right, am I to confront the, the father of lies will praise be to God in Jesus Christ who's given us the victory over sin, death, and Satan and who has sent his spirit to come and dwell in us and to fill us so that in that moment we can confront the lies and we could speak the truth of Jesus Christ. The spirit leads us right into these dangerous places where there are lies and deceits from the enemy. He fills you and he fills me so that we could stand up and say, no, that's a lie from the enemy. God gives us truth and we could plant our feet in it and we don't have to be ashamed in it. And we could stand for it and boldly proclaim it with a spirit of peace and gentleness in the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, this missionary task that God has called you and me to is a dangerous one to confront the lies of the enemy, but we have the hope of the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us just as he filled Paul so that we may speak the truth in love and confront the lies of the enemy. Daryl Bach, in his commentary on Acts, I love this, he says this, sometimes evangelism will require such confrontation with one who is preventing another from hearing the message. Courageous, that's why it takes courage. That's another pursuit of ours, courageous evangelism. Why does it have to be courageous? Because sometimes we have to confront lies and falsehood with the truth that is powerful to reach our ones with the gospel of Jesus. So here the Spirit is right there alongside Paul, so that Elemas' impact was negated in a moment. Immediately, he struck blind, and the one who was trying to lead people away from Jesus is now the one who's searching around, and he's got to have somebody lead him away. The image was clear to Sergius Paulus. Ah, this one was a deceiver. I want to hear the message that Paul has to speak. And what happens? Not only does Paul get filled with the Spirit to confront falsehood, but he's also filled to promote The truth, to promote the truth. The proconsul believes the teaching of the Lord. And in this, Sergius Paulus, he's not just an ignorant, naive man. In fact, the text says that this was an intelligent man. But yet he was under the deceptive lie of Elymas, controlled by Satan, controlled by the devil. But the Spirit fills Paul, and the truth comes to light. And Sergius Paulus believes the teaching of the Lord. You know the story, right? In The Wizard of Oz. uh, The the four friends go, Dorothy and the lion and the tin man and and the scarecrow, and they come back after defeating the white witch, and they're so terrified before the wizard, right? And what happens in that moment when they're so terrified? This little hero comes out of nowhere. What's his name? Toto. Toto, the little dog. What does the little dog do? He runs over, and he recognizes something's not right about this, and he sees some feet beneath this curtain over to the side, and he pulls the curtain back so that, by the way, the yellow brick road is right down here, right? Right? They're getting ready for the Wizard of Oz here. I think that's appropriate, right? Total comes over, pulls the curtain back so that these four friends could see the truth. They've been deceived. Now they have the truth. And they see there is no magical wizard. They see that he was playing a charlatan behind the the curtain. Sometimes we've got to go, we've got to pull the curtain back for people. Armed with the truth of the gospel of Jesus, empowered by the filling of the Holy Spirit and following the example of Christ who teaches us to speak the truth in love and gentleness and patience and peace. Friends, this is our missionary task to confront falsehood and proclaim the truth. That's our big idea this morning. The Spirit leads those who live sent. The Spirit leads those who live sent, he calls, he sends, and he fills. You know, I asked at the beginning of our, our message this morning, what gives you comfort and courage when you set out on a journey? For me, it's knowing that somebody's with me. Friend, you may have felt the dangers over the last month. Maybe as you've tried to have these conversations with your one, you just feel like there's just this collision, this attack of the enemy against you. Your one is believing lies, and you long that they believe the truth. Friend, you can have comfort and courage today that you're not alone as you live on mission. The Spirit leads those who live sent. The Spirit is here leading you and leading me so that we can answer the call, that we can go out courageously and we can be filled with the Spirit to confront the falsehood and promote the truth of Jesus Christ. What does this mean for Monday? It's a question we try and ask as often as we can around here because we don't just want to hear the Word of God, as James said. We want to be doers of the Word of God, amen? Well, think about this. If you're a follower of Jesus today, you want to ask yourself, well, that sounds great. I'd love to be filled with the Spirit, but it sounds kind of mystical. It sounds kind of weird even. How how can I know that I can be filled with this Holy Spirit so that I can live sent? Friends, I think the key is found right in our text, right in our text. What did these guys do before they were sent out? They got near to God. They got near to God. They, they worshipped him. They were fasting. They were praying. They were singing to him. They were rem- reminding one another of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were worshipping before the Lord in humility and in truth and in praise and in honor. Friend, if you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit, why don't you hang out with God a little bit? You know, one of the rhythms that we love to teach every follower of Jesus here is, as often as you can, at least every day, open your Bible, listen to what God has said, and just breathe back out to Him in prayer. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, call out to Him. Say, Lord, today is a hard day. Right now I'm having a hard time. Please help. And He says, I'm there with you in the dangerous journey to help you draw near to God. Make the corporate worship, our gathering here, even on a rainy, thunderous day like today, make it a priority. Come and worship. Be a part of what God is doing here in these moments to change our lives. Be a part of a small group that draws near to God together in fellowship, in scripture reading. Be a part of those one-on-one fellowships over coffee and meals where you're encouraging one another in the Lord. Friends, as we draw near to God together, we have hope that the Spirit will fill us. But that's not all that Paul and Barnabas did. That's not all they did. They they didn't just draw near to God. They obeyed God as well. They obeyed his command. What was his command? I want you to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus where I'm going to send you. Some of us are feeling like, "I, I don't know when was the last time I sensed the filling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's because you're living a disobedient life today. Maybe there's unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe you're living out of alignment and out of step with with God's commands that He's given to you and to me. Friends, this isn't isn't like a secret. God, the Spirit, wants to fill you and me today to live on mission, and He does that when when we worship and draw near to Him and when we obey His commands. It's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. Draw near and obey His commands. Now, some of you may be here today and think to yourself, this is all like foreign language to me, supernatural stuff, uh, the spirit filling, and this sounds weird to me, this magician in this story, you may not be a follower of Jesus today, you, you might have doubts, you might have doubts. Maybe, maybe you're hung up because you've got scientific questions, questions of, of the rational world, the world that you could touch, taste, see, and smell, and hear, right? You've got doubts. And you just got scientific, rational obstacles that you're working through. May- maybe you're here today, and you feel like, I-, I don't know that I can believe this truth about Jesus because it's just too narrow. It's just too exclusive. And, and you feel like there might be many, many options, many things to consider uh, out there in the world of religion and belief and philosophy. Well, you may want to rationalize your beliefs today. I know I'm somebody who loves to think clearly about things. Sergius Paulus was a man... Of intelligence but if you're like me deep down deep down we all know there's something more than just what we can touch or feel or see or measure if you're truly a a man or a woman of intelligence today I I believe the Holy Spirit wants to open your eyes to the truth there is a reason for all that we see there's a reason and a purpose and a cause for all that exists And I believe, friends, the most rational answer to that is that God has created the heavens and the earth, and He's revealed Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is not an irrational message, it is a message that is supernatural, but it is also rational. The Holy Spirit opened the eyes of this intelligent man, Sergius Paulus, to the truth. What is that truth? It's, it's not found merely in a proposition. It's found in a person who is Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who was full of grace and truth. Friend, I'm telling you today, if you want to search for wisdom, if you want to search for knowledge, if you want to search with for understanding in this world, I want to invite you today come to Jesus because that same Apostle Paul who was filled in our text today in Colossians, he says, in Christ you will find all the riches of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Friend, the answer isn't in an a rational proposition, it's found in the God-man who's Jesus Christ that same one who sent the Holy Spirit to you and to me to lead us into all truth. You see, this story is about the Spirit leading those who live sent, but we can't forget that it was Jesus himself who sent the Holy Spirit to open the eyes of the blind and to give hearing to the deaf and to make the lame walk so that they may see truth see truth. Christians get a bad rap sometimes because they can be a people that sometimes can be naive and dumb, but we're here today to say we believe that Jesus is the wisdom and the understanding and the knowledge and power of God. Oh, friend, if you're here today and you've got all kinds of logical and intellectual hang-ups, oh, would you look to Jesus? Look to Jesus. Ask him the hard questions. His shoulders are massive. He can handle every question you throw at him. Jesus wants to open your eyes today through the Spirit who give you power and life today. He sent the Spirit for you. He wants to open your eyes so you can see the truth and live. Christianity, I believe, is rational, but it is so much more. It's powerful. It is the power of God to salvation for all who believe and it reaches the depths of our dark human hearts. Science and philosophy, they may be good at describing the way things are, but they do nothing to transform a life. There's one person who can, and his name is Jesus, who sent the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit leads those who live sent. Join me as we close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much that your truth is in your word. Jesus, as he prayed before he, uh, he left his disciples in John 17, he, s- he said to you, Father, he prayed, he said, set them apart, sanctify them for the mission I'm giving to them, and do that by the truth. Your word is truth. We thank you that we've got the truth of the Spirit who calls and sends and fills for mission. And today, Lord, we want to be be a people who live sent. And so for all of us, Lord, we got to ask ourselves the question, am I being filled by the Spirit? Am I drawing near to God on a daily basis? Am I I passionately worshiping Him? Am I making the priority of this strategic church, church a part of my life? Not only do we need to draw near, but we also need to obey. Lord, if there's any unconfessed sin in our hearts today, If we're resisting your leading, would you show us, reveal it to us so that we may repent and get on track in following the commands of the Lord. Oh, we thank you for verses that give us promises like 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, believer, God is faithful and he's just to forgive you of all your sin and to cleanse you of your unrighteousness so that you can experience the filling of the Spirit once again to live on mission, to live sent for Him once again. Lord, as we get prepared to sing, we don't want to forget that there are those in our midst today that we're, we love. We're so glad they're here, but, but yet they still haven't taken that step to say, I'm receiving Jesus and the truth about what He said about Himself, that He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that He has risen from the dead to give me new life. There may be scientific questions or philosophical questions or maybe issues related to morals and ethics and philosophy. Oh, I pray for those ones here today that are still hung up, that they would look to the one who is the source of all wisdom and all knowledge, the one who Paul proclaimed so that Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man, could be saved. Oh, Lord, let them look to Jesus Remove the deceiver from their path. I pray, Lord, if there's a crooked path in front of them, make their way straight to Jesus that they may receive him as Lord and Savior. But we thank you so much for the Spirit who leads us to live, son. And now we're, we want to pray, uh, we want to sing and praise as we get ready to go. We want to ask you to send Spirit to fill us and empower us today for mission. So we thank you for all of this, and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you please stand with us as we close in song together?